Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted background actors, sometimes referred to as extras or atmosphere. Typically, these are all of the people in a given scene who do not have speaking parts, whether it's two people sitting near our principal actors in a coffee shop or a crowd of thousands at a football game. And my guests today are from Central Casting, the largest employer of background in the industry. First, Jen Bender, Executive Central Casting. Welcome to Below the Line. Hi, Skid. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Jen, I don't remember what show it was, but we must have first met, I'm going to say close to 20 years ago, when you were a casting director and I was an assistant director requesting background of you. Yes, yes. We we both have been in this industry probably longer than than we care to admit because people start doing the math and, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We're still very young. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you, well, you've stuck with Central Casting, though, and uh, congratulations on uh, your position now as executive. We're also joined today by a current casting director, Claire Benjamin. Claire, welcome. Hi, thank you. So, Claire, how long have you been with Central Casting? I've been there about 15 years now. Yeah, I started out actually as Jen's assistant. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And she stayed. <laughs> I stayed, too. <laughs> Well, I'm very glad you guys had time to join me here today. But before we talk specifically about how COVID-19 is impacting background actors, let's set a baseline. Give me an overview about how background casting worked pre-pandemic. Okay, yeah, we can tag team this, Claire. So in general, a show or a movie will come to us at Central Casting and say, we'd like for you to, to hire all of the background actors for us. And, you know, we'll, we'll get the script, we'll um, speak with the assistant director and the director to sort of get a, a, a clear understanding of the types of people they want and the looks that they want, and, um, and then go forward with um, hiring background for those scenes. And it essentially is a day-by-day process sometimes you know, you may need a, gr- a person or a group of people for extended period of time for multiple days. Um, but generally, you know, um, a selection will be made of who's working and we, we, you know, the day before we'll give them the location, the call time, what to wear, what the scene is about and pretty straightforward. Then they, they go to work and perform on set for production. So there's a lot of overhead in hiring just one person, and particularly if you're talking about numbers of people and it's short terms of employment, it's not worth it to the production to do that. And so they go to central casting or there are other organizations as well that mm-hmm. that do all of that work for the hiring. But also tell me what else you bring to the table for a show in terms of uh, how background actors get involved with you and how you end up representing them. So we're, we're a company that's been in the industry uh, quite a while, and we're uniquely positioned in that not only um, do we have a lot of longevity and experience in our casting directors and our relationships with SAG-AFTRA and our, our understanding of the contract is pretty deep just because of how long we've been working, working with it and the institutional information that's been passed down from the people that have worked there. But we also, because we hire them and we are part of entertainment partners, we payroll them as well. So we're uniquely positioned to be what's called a common law employer. 
So what that means for production is when you hire somebody to work, there's a lot of paperwork that needs to be done depending on the state and the city that you're in. And it goes beyond an I-9 and a W-4. Certain states require additional training, whether it's um, some sort of sort of heat safety training, anti-harassment training, all of that stuff that you need when you hire someone. And what we do is we take care of all of that for production. So we do that ahead of time. So when they arrive on set, they literally can arrive and go straight to work and they won't have to deal with all that paperwork or worry about training or tracking sick pay or all of these other things that, that are out there as somebody who's employing people. And so Claire, as a casting director, you have specific shows with whom you've developed a relationship. You know their ADs, what they bring. Tell me a little bit about how the, what that back and forth is like. So I've been uh, pretty lucky to develop relationships with several ADs that have kind of carried me through their show career, you know, when one wraps and to start, you know, as part of the family on the new show has been really great. You know, first ADs, second ADs, it's even wardrobe people that I keep working with over and over. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, and so we have a rapport, email, text, they'll let me know what specific needs they need. And, you know, we fill the call accordingly. Photo selects, sometimes we send photos that they can pick from and, uh, sometimes they just give me the breakdown and then I get to do my creative thing and, and cast it accordingly. And so how many shows might be in your portfolio at any given time? It kind of varies because, you know, the, the seasons are not what they used to be with all the, you know, the cable shows, the online shows, the, the industry isn't the same season and then hiatus and then season. So I, I don't know exactly how many I would say I average. Uh, it kind of goes up and down depending on when one goes up and when one's coming down, they might overlap for a week and, and I'll feel a little busy, but then everything is smooth again. <laughs> yeah. And it also depends on how, um, how complicated or time consuming any individual show is. You might have a show that only hires 30 background one day a week, you know, or you have another show that hires 300 background every day. So the number of shows can vary just depending on how taxing any individual show could be. Absolutely. Okay. So with that as the baseline, let's talk about what happens when the pandemic hits, shows start shutting down. Talk to me about those first weeks or days even as this information was coming in and how shows were affected from a background perspective. Those were interesting days and it's, it's hard to think, you know, four, four and a half months ago when we're first starting to hear that there's this virus and, you know, we didn't know a lot about it. The, the world didn't know a lot about it. And people, some people were getting sick and they would think it was a flu and, and didn't really understand. But then there was that week in mid-March or like the second week of March, third week of March, where everything started to become super clear what was happening. There were crew members on set who were getting sick. And then, you know, what do you do with the rest of the crew? You've got to communicate that. So that all happened so fast. And we're a company, we're in four cities. At any given time, we could have, you know, 50 shows or more going at any given time to suddenly have shows start shutting down that quickly, it's, it's a lot to manage. And then also taking care of my own internal staff in each office. 
it was really interesting just to see how the evolution was and how quickly people pivoted and adjusted to try to manage it and keep the communication going and keeping everyone safe. And then as we all know, at one point, just everything had to shut down because no, no one in the world could control it. And, and, you know, we've all been sitting in our homes for four months, but, but yeah, that was, that was really, really interesting times. And just in the, in the early days, trying to communicate to everyone as we're still hiring them, those few days that we were still, still hiring, do you have a fever? Do you have chills? Do you have any symptoms? Don't go to set. If, you, if you've experienced this, go get a test. If you get a test and you're positive and you've worked, tell us so we can start communicating it out. So there was a lot of moving parts without really having any clarity about what was happening. Between our partnership with the shows and the studios and my own internal staff, I think we managed it pretty well to, to get through that and to get us all sort of safely to a point where we, where we shut down and then stabilized. So, yeah, I would, um, I would say, I feel like that couple of weeks in early March when, when things were just building and you could feel like this nervous momentum of what's next, what's next, like Disneyland closed. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, Disneyland's closing and <laughs> the NBA canceled their season or uh, Tom Hanks, was positive. I think that was like when everything just got real and then the shows just started canceling or wrapping like shortly thereafter of those three things, you know, they, they cut their large calls that they were prepping. Um, we had, I had a show, uh, I was actually off the 12th, uh, on pay, on PTO for my son's birthday. And, uh, I, I get text all that afternoon, we're wrapping tomorrow now instead of shooting the last episode and we'll let you know what we're going to do about Monday. And, and it just, everything kind of snowballed and then, and then stopped. <laughs> it was very surreal. To your point, Claire, some shows ended up cutting the season short. Some shows are maybe our mid season or have only filmed half of what, particularly with the streaming shows that they're all in different places as far as uh, where they were in their actual filming. But you guys are managing the relationship with each of these folks and kind of getting it real time as they're getting information from their bosses. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so with the shutdown, as Jen, you alluded to the idea that there was a little bit of time there where things are chaotic, but then things settled and folks could start thinking about the situation we're in and, and what it meant. Tell me more about how central casting has been navigating the work stoppage. Yeah, so so work stopped and we got everyone set up, you know, my internal staff set up at their homes. So that, that happened pretty quickly. And then from that point, we caught our breath and said, okay. I mean, at that point, we thought everyone was going to be back in like, what were we saying, April or May? You know, was the early conversation. So we were, you know, sort of wrapping down the shows in terms of, like I said, you know, we process payments and and all of that. So just, you know, that took a couple weeks just to clear all of that. And then we realized, um, I think everyone realized fairly quickly that this this is all going to be new and different and no one really knows what's going on. So we pivoted to really talk about what is it going to look like to get background back to set, like all of the stuff we've been working on, not only from our hiring practices, um, what does production need? Each production, each studio is going to have their own sort of layer on top of what the basic protocols are. You know, how can, how can we support all of this? Because we're such a big employer. 
you know, how can we manage this in partnership with these shows to get us, because we're a big piece of this, right? To be safe on set, we're sending people every day to set. So how, how can we do this? And that became like 100% what we, what we thought about. It's what's been keeping me up at night. And, and just in talking to my team, which has been amazing and casting directors like Claire, who's, you know, in, in this, in the trenches and um, just figuring out what that's going to look like. And then what does the union want to happen? What does OSHA want to happen? What is LA County safety? You know, all of these inputs coming in and applying that on just hiring day players, which is essentially what we have. And, and are they still going to be day players? Do you like, how else can we manage this? Just thinking outside the box. And so you mentioned a lot of requirements coming in. I think when we talked earlier, you talked about having an internal committee whose job is to sort of process all this information. Tell me more about how you're engaged with the issue. So I have my own team in casting and then some of the casting directors. And we also have a legal team that we work with and a risk management team around our workers' comp. So we meet every week and talk about, okay, what are the requirements legally, um, like I mentioned, OSHA, LA County, the union, like, you know, what's going on. And these things have been changing even today. Like we're talking today and I might say something today that today makes sense. And today is, this is what sort of the guidelines help us with the CDC guidelines a week from now or two weeks from now, or when this gets put out to the public, things may have changed. It's still a bit of a moving target, but the team meets every week and talks about what's required first of all and then what does what do the shows need so is there anything additional that they need from us to do to make sure we do this safely so it's a a really smart well-informed group of people from both the legal risk operational and talking to the studios you know i i meet with most of the studios and and ad's and producers just to sort of check in what are we thinking what do we know so yeah, so there's there's a, a weekly meeting and, and sometimes more than once a week there's separate meetings. So so it's it is where we spend the most of our time. It seems to me that the idea of not having crowds means that work in general has been been cut back and that a lot of shows might be going in the direction of having less background on set. Has that been what do you think about the trend of that? Uh, is that what it looks like it's gonna be? It would be really, really difficult and unsafe to have a crowd of three hundred people, for sure. And, you know, I'm hearing from writers that they're, they're writing scenes with, with fewer background, for sure. I think that some scenes just require background. So there's, there, there won't be a, a zero background show unless they're filming that whole show inside of closed quarters with no one but your cast. But, but there is a need for background. So the numbers are going to be smaller. And how we manage them, how do we get them prepared to go to work, and what does it look like when they're on set? Um, you know, that's really the nuts and bolts of it. But I don't think there's going to be big crowd scenes. And if there is, it's going to be difficult to manage. I think it's worth noting that while on a show, there are a group of background actors that are union. Those numbers are set uh, based on the show and the negotiations year to year. But there are lots of folks that are basically working for minimum wage. Is that still the case with the lar- when you have these large crowds of background actors? Yeah, the non-union. Mm-hmm. The non-union folks generally start at minimum wage. There, there can be an increase in their, 
in their wage, depending on if they're a specialty group or um, something unique about them or something that validates them to, to increase their pay. But, I, you know, it's at least minimum wage, sometimes a bit more. So while we know that folks across the spectrum of this country are facing economic challenges, I can imagine that while you can make a living working all the time at that rate, this is a very difficult time for folks who do depend on that income. For sure. I think it's it's difficult not only for them, but for, for many people in our country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's, as of today, a fairly healthy unemployment program going on around this. But in general, these people work day to day. So they, they depend on as much regular work as they can get. So it's, it's going to be a hardship for sure. Is Central Casting able to do anything to help keep this community together? Or do you think that people are going to end up leaving the business to have to find other work because of these challenges? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So we've been trying to stay engaged with everyone through the ways people stay engaged, websites, social media, that sort of thing. And we can, we can tell just on the traction that we're getting in our social media and our website that people are still around and engaged and hopeful. We will likely have some people leave the business. Maybe they just came here from another town or a smaller town and this was just too much of an adjustment to come to, you know, whether it's Los Angeles or New York where the cost of living is, is quite high, that they, that they just said, you know, I'm going to go and maybe come back another time. But um, I, I think there will definitely be a, a percentage of people that leave the business and, and do something else. I would think, Claire, what are you, what are you thinking on that? I mean, I've talked to some of our background uh, as things have kind of started to work again. Um, I've reached out to, to some people and, and, you know, we have uh, some that maybe just left town for a little bit. They're visiting their parents back in another state or, uh, or they got um, a job delivering for Postmates or um, what is it? Instacart. (laughs) So they're, they're doing what they can to kind of get an essential job in this time and, and, and fill the void that the industry going down has, has created for them, but they're hopeful. I mean, overall, like everyone is eager and excited to get back to work when it's, you know, deemed safe to do so. And, and I think that, you know, Jen and, and the studios and the unions that are all working together to make that happen, uh, we're all really eager and excited to do that. And, and the background will, will be ready when, I mean, Oh, I, I take submissions and I just get a lot of positive feedback and encouraging emails from them saying, you know, I'm here, <laughs> put me to work. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the work that has been taking place. I know we did an episode of the podcast uh, earlier this season where representatives of shows that managed to film quarantine episodes came together and talked about how that was done. And at least one of those, All Rise, they had a quarantine episode where there was background um, socially distanced and such, but they did a big yoga scene and there are a lot of non-principal cast in those scenes. Uh, tell me more about some of the filming that has taken place under these conditions. Yeah, I got to work on uh, on All Rise and and cast the the yoga background and that was really that was really fun. It actually, after not casting for a couple of weeks there, it was great to get back to, to work and it was... Um, so it was really fun to be in contact with the background at that 
kind of early stage still of the quarantine and be able to screen them for the things. It's different than normal. Do you have yoga attire? That was the first question. Second question was, do you have high-speed internet? Do you have a computer with a, with a video camera or a video capability or can you log into this website with your iPhone and it was it was complicated for you know some of the background and so it was very hands-on I almost felt like a production assistant that day virtually <laughs> and uh, you know our our online extras holding and we all kind of chatted and got to catch up and it felt a little bit like normal in that first couple months of wow everything's crazy and you you don't see anyone and you're just stuck in your house all day but uh, it was an exciting episode and it felt like we were doing something that hadn't really been done before. And, you know, after 15 years working this job, that's always nice to get something that's new and innovative. Definitely has not been done before. <laughs> now, and you might not be able to talk about specific shows, but are there other shows attempting to film either quarantine episodes or episodes that accept the state of the pandemic but are still trying to get filming done with background involved. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had a couple of shows where we've we've done some casting on and I think, you know, we're going through all of the the best practices that we've come to so far and and you know, in terms of uh, there's a self-check questionnaire and sending people to test and getting them ready to go. There's a whole education piece when you get to set, like, first of all, education on what COVID is, how to self-check, do's and don'ts, what's going to happen when you get to set. You're going to have to wear a PPE and just sort of the the zones and the quarantining on set. So, yeah, so it's it's been very small groups on a couple of select projects, but um, and I think Claire, you you've worked on one. So just I don't know if you want to walk through some of the the process without sharing, you know, too much about the show. But <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I I worked on a show um, that you know had the background come in and they didn't get out of their car. It was like a scene where you know the cars could just drive by the actors and and wave. Um, so they were able to be socially distant, staying in their car. And I have a another show coming up that probably will utilize cars for, you know, keeping the background in their own bubble of, of personal safety kind of a, a situation. And, um, and then we have shows that don't necessarily take place during this modern quarantine era that are looking to get back to work and that, you know, requires maybe getting people tested and the PPE Jen was talking about and, and social distancing on set as best as they can. And, and so those are just starting to prep. I haven't had uh, any of those actually work yet, but they are on the schedule and it looks like it's, you know, coming up and they're still headed that direction to get back to set. What sort of concerns did you find or what sort of challenges that perhaps you hadn't thought of before, but things like it seems maybe self-evident once you start planning through, like you talk about the, the temperature checks, you talk about self-diagnosis, the extra training. What other unique challenges have you guys faced in getting people back to work procedurally? Claire, you, you, because you've actually done some of that, I think, you know, the scheduling the tests and, you know, there's, we've been working a lot about, you know, taking the test and going to a lab that 
gives you a result in a timely manner in order to get them to set. Because if you go and take a test and you don't get a result for 10 days, then the test is almost pointless because who knows what you've been doing in those 10 days. So you really want to have your testing be as close to the work date as possible. And most of them, most of the studios and productions are going to private labs rather than going um, offering up the places that the public can go to for free because they, they have a faster turnaround and can control that time frame a little bit better. Um, so I think the process of scheduling the test, you know, they're going to take a test here 48, 72 hours later is their work date. So there's, there's a lot of scheduling in doing that and making sure you test the right amount of people because if say you send 10 people to test, you don't know if all 10 will be cleared to work. So you have to work with production and say, if you actually need these 10 people, you might want to test a few more people just to be safe. So on the day to work, you know, you've got the numbers that you, that you need. And there's, there's a lot of really interesting ideas that we've been brainstorming about on sort of how that operationally can can work and make sure that there's people on set that are safe. Yeah, I think another thing, um, I mean, we I'm just working with a show right now that are, is choosing like 18 people hoping to get 14 and they want choices 15 through 18 to know that they're backups so that they don't get disappointed if they um, aren't needed, I guess I should say, but um, are kind of on a, on standby or not standby. Can I say that? Um, okay. They're cleared to work. Uh, they're cleared to work. They're cleared to work. They're understudies. They're background understudies. And the other thing that uh, we have to keep in mind is, is children. You know, some children are, I mean, minors are on set all the time in, in a normal season for us. So it makes sense that some shows are still going to need minors in going forward. And we have had minors need to work. And some kids are really nervous about the nasal swab test and have a lot of anxiety about that. And as a parent, you know, I feel for these little kids. (laughs) But not only do the kids need to get the test in order to go to work, but their guardians do because the guardian is going to be there on set too. So coordinating that, informing production that that was necessary and coordinating the the guardian to go to get the test and make sure that that's the guardian that takes them to set has been an additional challenge that we had to deal with too. I remember when we used to run these large calls, they were very paperwork intensive where you got everyone's cards and you're signing and they get a copy and there's copy here and sorting them out at the end of the night. It's very possible that that has streamlined since I was last on a set worried with background vouchers. Is that true? And if, if not, certainly we're making changes now. For example, uh, Claire, you mentioned those folks just being in cars. Do they ever even get a voucher from an AD under the current system? Or again, and if things have changed pre-pandemic, you can bring me up to speed on the state of background <laughs> overall. Yeah, so so I'll 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 give you a little bit of update on that. One of the other things that we we were working on is you know everyone wants to be paperless, right? To have less contact on on set, and and the studies vary about the contamination on paper. But regardless, we should be paperless anyway. It's safer and and seems like the right way to go. So again, our technology, we're creating that. Um, 
we acquired a company out of the UK that has a digital voucher system and they've been working for um, probably several years on this. So they were, they were the first leading people. They're the largest um, provider of uh, technology for the casting space in the UK. And there we, we brought them to the U S so we're, we're using that system. We're adapting it for the U S market so for a fully paperless process. And, and like I said, all of that sort of I-9 and uh, start paperwork, which you normally have where it's, you know, NDAs and anti-piracy and, and safety and all of that. So we, we've already been taking care of that before they even get to set. So now we just have to solve for that paper voucher, which we're, we have the technology. We're in beta now and we'll, we're hoping to get it released soon. By the time production starts up, there might be an interim solution that we have um, to get there. But yeah, every everything's going to be paperless, and I think that's really really the way to go for speed, fairness, documentation, tracking, all of that. So yeah, it's it's changed. You'll see, it's changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed. Yeah. And so, looking out to the future, then. Things like paperless, that's going to stick with us no matter what direction filming takes overall. When we talk about these changes, which ones do you think will be temporary and which ones are going to be permanent changes to the way we're doing business? That's a great question. I mean, I, I hope to see a future sometime, sometime in the future of a world we, where we don't have to get a test every time we go to work, you know, and, and that will take a vaccine, right? Just, just if you, many people compare this to the flu, it's not the same thing, but, you know, the world got to a place where we could, you know, we have vaccines that control these things. So, so I'd like to imagine a world where we don't have to take a test before we go to work, but I really like some of the other stuff. The, um, like I said, the, the technology that's come, that's being applied and just the mindfulness around your space and the process. I mean, you think about leading up to this, there was, everyone was moving so fast and there was so much production and there was so much you couldn't even keep up with where everyone was just moving a million miles an hour and everyone's working seven days a week. And in production, you're working so many hours without breaks between shows that it, I, I don't even know how sustainable that was. So if anything, this feels like, this forced us to say, wait, are we doing this the right way? And I'd like to believe that it's given us that opportunity to do things a little bit better and um, still create as much content as we can, but in a more mindful, meaningful way and a safer way, right? Because beyond the virus, there were other safety issues just from moving too fast and trying to to get your days in and get your get everything done. So so I'm, I'm, I would love to see that carryover, just that, that sort of awareness on set. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I've had shows, you know, mention that in the future, they may have shorter work days, looking more like at a 10-hour day instead of 12 to 14. And I think that would be just a healthier work environment for everybody, safer, as Jen was saying. Obviously, not having to get tests would take... <laughs> the end of this coronavirus situation, but it would be really great to adapt some of some of these changes into the new industry and come back healthier, safer, and stronger. 
Jane, you spoke earlier about the community and the social media. If folks want to connect with Central Casting, whether it's background artists or, or folks wanting to learn more, where should they go? Yeah, so if you go to our website, we have contact information there. On our social media, we, we you can leave messages there as well. You know, there's, there's plenty of ways to, to get in touch with us. We're trying to push out as much information as we can as we get it in because we know people are hungry just to understand what's going on and, and, and the background. They, they get nervous because they don't hear anything and, you know, they read various articles and news bites about all sorts of things, you know, saying all background are going to be eliminated from every show from here forever. And, and that's not the case, you know, that that's a nice soundbite and, you know, you're going to click on that article, but it's, it's not true because shows still need um, background. And like we said before, is it going to be those big crowds? Unlikely for sure. in, in the, in the near future, but we're, we're going to do it safely and we're trying to get as much information out there. But there are ways on our website, um, contact information and our social media, you can contact us. So we're, we're pretty accessible. Anything else we should say to folks, our listeners, whether again, background or just interested parties about where this is going? I would say there's, there's some really, um, there's some interesting processes that we're exploring in terms of having people go to work and say, you know, if there's just one that, that I thought it would be interesting to share. So if we have background working one day here, one day, like each day in a, in a different set, there's a lot of room for spreading the virus, right? And, there's, and, and that could be a little bit unsafe. There's some really interesting thoughts around taking a group of background, testing them and getting them ready and working them the whole week and committing to them the whole week, which gives them a little bit of personal responsibility and continuous employment as an incentive to say, you know, we're going to commit to you this whole week. We may not use you every day, but you'll, you'll at least get that eight-hour payday. And in return, we hope that you behave in a way that's safely when you're not working, you stay home. We're committing to you to this. If you can commit to us to live your life in a safe way. So when you come to us, you, you know, are safe to work on set. So there's some interesting ideas, which I think could really work. Again, this is all new. We, we haven't done it before. So when we start to put it in, in practice, it will... We'll adjust as we go. But I, I think that's that's sort of interesting and um, sort of gives a commitment on both sides for people. Rather than jumping from show to show to show each and each day at a different show, there, there's, it's just higher risk. There's no way to 100% be certain that the there won't be an infection on set. But if we can reduce it as much as possible and knowing that the background actors are a big part of that exposure... I think that that's, that's an interesting idea for shows if, if they're trying to find ways to do it. It's, you know, test a group of people, commit to them for the week. And then the next week, you can either have that group or a different group or a combination of the two. But just some interesting out-of-the-box thinking. Great. That could really cut down on your work if you're not having to find 30 different people for every show every day on that if, it's, uh, if they're committing to folks for longer times. Yeah, I think in, in that scenario, the work is all done up front, and then it's just managing those days. I think, you know, I don't know if it cuts down on the work. I think the, the work just looks different. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, we we talk about scheduling the COVID testing kind of similar to how we used to schedule fittings for a period show. And it's almost like every show is going to act like a period show where everyone has to go to get their COVID test instead of going to a fitting. I mean, if they then also are on a period show and then they go from the COVID test to the fitting to the work, it's it's a lot to manage and, you know, a lot of scheduling and details to give out and say, you know, if they worked in this scene, if they're carrying them for that week and they're worked in this scene, uh, then we have to probably keep track of continuity on the show, which scenes they can go back to so that they don't uh, show up in the hallway on the first floor and then in the next elevator on the sixth floor. <laughs> uh, uh, so it'll it'll be interesting and it'll be fun. But background, every AD, every show I've talked to getting ready to start up, background is not going away. I mean, we, it may be less, it might look a little different, but the world's, the world around us isn't empty. Even in this time, there's people walking around on the streets. There's people working in their garden. That's me. I mean, I've taken up gardening during this. So like there's, there's people in the world, even if there's fewer when you go outside right now. And so I think our TV shows are going to reflect that, but the, the world still needs to have atmosphere. It needs to have people populating it. And I think we'll get back to work. And I think that uh, it'll be it'll be nice to see people back on set again. Well, these are challenging times, no doubt. But it's, uh, it's exciting to see how engaged uh, you are in the issue. And I think forward thinking to the point, Jen, you made about actually making some changes that the industry can, can come out stronger on the other side of this. I think there's hope. That's what we should all really strive for. What do they say? With adversity comes change. So we're definitely experiencing adversity and we can be better off in the end if we can, if we can do this right. Thanks to both of you for taking the time today and, and sharing with our listeners what the, the state of things. And uh, we'll try to get you back when things get a little more defined and check in again about how these things are moving forward. That'd be great. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Listeners, I have some unexpected news. I'm actually going back in the field to work on a movie. I can't say a lot about it at this time, but my availability for scheduling and recording new podcasts will be pretty much non-existent for the next few months. Consequentially, Below the Line is going to take a mid-season hiatus. We're definitely coming back, and I'm really excited about the episodes I've got lined up for the rest of season six. But I can't say at this time what that schedule is going to look like. In the meantime, I hope you'll check out our previous episodes you might have missed, especially if you're a new listener. Your feedback is always welcome and greatly appreciated. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at blowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. And no feedback is better than rating us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Be safe out there. Wish me luck with the movie, and I look forward to reporting back from the set as soon as I can. My guests today are from Central Casting. Did you guys hear that? I heard it, but I don't know what it was, so I muted it. It is the gardener outside my door. (laughs) I know those feelings. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I might just do that again, so I have two to choose from. I'm sorry, I'll go on mute.